Are property values going to continue to rise or are they going to drop? I think I know the answer and I'm a property owner here in Colorado Springs. So I think I know what I'm talking about. I've lived here since 1992. Anyway, here we go. This is my information about the upcoming developments that and, and the changes in the Colorado Springs area that could potentially impact your property's value as a homeowner in Colorado Springs. So here we go. The, the pros, here are the things that I think will positively impact uh, the value of properties in Colorado Springs. 40% of our income, if you didn't know, comes from the military. The five military installations that we have support quite a big chunk of the income that the city gets. So you've got the Air Force Academy, you've got Fort Carson, Peterson Air Force Base, uh, which is now Peterson Space Force Base, uh, and then you've got uh, Schriever and NORAD. So... The thing about the Space Force base, uh, well, Space Force, is that, yes, it was originally always supposed to be in Colorado Springs, and then uh, former President Donald Trump, at the last minute, decided to move it to Huntsville, Alabama. So there was a sort of an uproar in our city, especially with our then-Mayor John Southers, who felt that that was not the right course of action. A lot of people felt that way, but... Uh, with the recent a couple weeks ago that they uh, decided, I don't know how they, but anyway, it's Space Force will actually remain in Colorado Springs as opposed to moving to Huntsville, Alabama. So we've got that as well. So that's going to keep a lot more of our military here in Colorado Springs. Also, we've got a new mayor, Yemi Mobilade, and um, we are, he's taking over from Mayor John Southers, and uh, it was going to be uh, between Yemi Mobilade and Wayne Williams. I mean, we had a number of candidates, but it came down to those two. And no matter who would have won, I think uh, a similar result would have happened in terms of city growth. Both uh, Wayne and Yemi uh, looked to want to continue the economic boom of Colorado Springs that John Southers had produced under his eight years. And so now that we have Yemi, what Yemi specified in uh, the District 2 meeting that I watched uh, was smart growth. That's what he called it, quote-unquote. Smart growth is what he hears that the residents of Colorado Springs are looking to, uh, that's the most important thing to them in everything that they say and everything that the city hears from them that smart growth is going to be the most important thing and I don't necessarily agree with that but you know whatever your thoughts are you can leave them in the comments below part of what Yummy wants to do is put a new uh, police training academy or build a new police training academy in Colorado Springs and that was initially uh, proposed to cost $5 million. I think now it's going to cost about $21 million in total, but $5 million up front, something like that. Smart growth and safety. So police, uh, uh, just being able to address crime and um, 911 calls. I've got a neighbor who is a dispatcher, and she does not get... Uh, or the uh, there's not enough 
police to answer all the calls that come in. So it's we we do we do not have a enough police officers. I would agree with that. So Yemi is proposing that we add another 80 police officers to the budget, and I think that's reasonable. I you know if. I don't know if that's an unreasonable number, but it seems like, yeah, sure, I think we should add more police to the budget. So growth is really the huge thing here in Colorado Springs. If you weren't aware, the city is growing. It's huge. We've got all of these extra warehouses being built, Amazon, Coca-Cola, um, all of these distribution companies that are setting up shop in Colorado Springs on the southeast side of town. So there is clearly a demand for living here and for growth in general. You've also got the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Museum. You've got the Widener Field Stadium. You've got the to-be-built Sunset Amphitheater. I mean, we've got quite a bit going on here. Other growth we've got going on is uh, Falcon, all that area that's 10 minutes east of Colorado Springs, that Meridian Ranch area. They're building the new King Supers there. They're continuing to build a lot of new construction there. And that Woodman Corridor between Powers, where uh, Mark Shuffle and Meridian Ranch, all that area is starting to get built out as well. You've also got a lot of tech companies that are establishing new or updated, bigger uh, buildings, corporate, you know, whatever offices here, and hiring more people. Integris was a recent company that has expanded here, and there's just a lot of additional tech jobs that are available. And the other testament to the growth of Colorado Springs and why your property values are going to continue to increase here is the land acquisition. Our city is continuing, continually adding land and annexing land so that it can build more properties in different parts of town. So again, you're seeing that in Woodman Corridor. You're seeing that in the Northgate area. You're seeing that southeast of the airport that we have here and a few other places as well. There was a Colorado Springs growth talk uh, that was listed a couple days ago online uh, and Tatiana Bailey was one of the people that they interviewed, one of the panelists. She is an economist here in Colorado Springs and what she had to say, I'm going to read it to you. She noted that between the year 2000 and 2023, El Paso County's population grew by 43.4%. We went from a population of about 500,000 to 755,000. We are getting about 10,500 new residents in El Paso County every year. Population projections for Denver, Boulder, and the rest of the state are down. So most of the growth in Colorado is happening within El Paso County. So with over 10,000 new residents coming to El Paso County every single year, I mean, yeah, that's a lot of housing that we have to create for them. That's a lot of additional demand that goes into the housing market, and that is definitely going to push the prices up. So I think the history of Colorado Springs, given its strong military influence, which, you know, gets its own uh, federal funding, um, but that continues, uh, that, that means that people are 
constantly personnel are PCSing in and out of the bases here. So that is constant stream of income. That's a stream of rental income, especially down on the southeast side of town. Our city is still giving incentives toward new construction, toward builders that are building homes in order to get more housing here, uh, whether you call it affordable or not. And what I call affordable is you're not spending more than a third of your income on housing, but that's not necessarily what's happening or the reality of things, is it? So whether or not you can afford the growth, the growth is happening and the prices are increasing because of that demand and that growth. Now let's look at the cons. The biggest con, the biggest elephant in the room that we have to think about is recession. Are we in a recession? And if so, what does that mean for home prices? So I'm going to read you some quick highlights from Realtor.com uh, where their article, it says recession risks fade, but inventory crunch continues to bite. So in the past 12 months, U.S. home buyers became more optimistic regarding the U.S. economy. In July 2023, around 22.7% of surveyed buyers believed that the next recession was at least a year away, while the sentiment share was 17.8% a year ago. The share of home buyers who believed a recession was already in progress remained high at 41.8% in July 2023 versus 40.7% in July 2022, but it has been on a downward trajectory since March 2023. An economic downturn isn't necessarily bad news for buyers. 35.9% of surveyed buyers indicated that a recession would make them somewhat more likely to purchase a home. The share was higher in first-time buyers, 41.6%, than repeat buyers, 32.4%. In July 2023, Federal Reserve Chairman Powell stated that the Fed was no longer anticipating a looming recession for the U.S. However, given that inflation is still well above the 2% target, the likelihood of tighter monetary policy for longer in the year ahead still remains. Tighter monetary policy works to curb inflation by slowing economic growth. In other words, while expectations have subsided, recession risk remains. <laughs> uh, the rain kicked back up. See, I thought I was silly for bringing this little rain jacket, but no, yeah, I thought smart because, oh, yeah, this is just, this is the day. This is the second week of September, and it's just raining now. All that summer heat is gone. This is the week of rain. I'm telling people it's the first week of fall. So basically, 4 out of 10 people think that we're already in a recession, and then 23% of people think that we're going to be in a recession in the next year, and then 4 out of 10 people think that they're more likely to buy a home if a recession does happen. So you've definitely got people on the sidelines waiting to just jump back in, oh, it's, it's dry under here, who are waiting to jump back into the housing market so that they can afford a home because, oh, the interest rates went back down or home prices went down, I can make the monthly payment work. And speaking of the monthly payment, that's another con to living here in Colorado Springs because guess what? You want to know what the average sales price and the median sales price here in Colorado Springs? The average sales price is $500,000 for a home here in Colorado Springs.
The current average sales price is $500,825 and the median sales price is $450,000. So to buy a $500,000 house, you need to make a minimum of $150,000 a year household. If you don't make that, you can't afford the monthly payment because the monthly payment now with a 7% and up interest rate at a say a 3% down because how are you going to put down 20% on a half a million dollar house? But say you put down 3% on a half million dollar house at over a slightly over a 7% interest rate, you're paying a $4,200 a month mortgage for that $500,000 house. So put that in perspective. And speaking of all that demand, you've got high traffic too. Uh, back in the 90s, Colorado Springs did not used to be heavily trafficked because it was a spread out city and there weren't a lot of people here. Now, there's a lot of people here. There's 755,000 people here to be exact. And there's traffic everywhere now. So your rush hour traffic, yeah, you definitely have that. Busy roadway construction traffic, yep, got that too. Speaking of demand and people, you've also got homeless people here. You've got a decent amount of homeless people here. You've got, got almost 1,400 homeless people here to be exact. And majority of those people are concentrated downtown because that's where all the social services and homeless services and all that sort of stuff is. So yeah, there's a decent amount of people here, but then also keep in mind that I know people who have moved here from Denver because they moved here to get a, or to Castle Rock to get away from homeless people in Denver. Because guess what? In Denver, there's 9,000 homeless people. So when you hear about Denver's homeless epidemic or population or whatever you want to call it, yeah, that's the number to keep in mind when you compare it to Colorado Springs is almost 1,400. I'm just going to say screw it and go in the rain. So back to that infrastructure where I said the city is spread out. Yeah, Colorado Springs is spread out. It's not like Denver. Oh, this part's dry too. It's not like Denver where Denver was, uh, I mean, was it planned? Was I mean, was any city planned? But you know how Denver is just a lot more condensed. But Colorado Springs was not built that way. It was just built with these kind of afterthoughts of, oh, we'll have this addition of this city. And so because of that, everything is, you, you can't have really a 15-minute city in Colorado Springs without some major overhaul and remodeling because the city is not built for that. And so I don't know how that's going to affect property values in the future compared to, say, Denver. I can tell you that we're going, Colorado Springs is going to be bigger than Denver, as in it's literally going to have more people, people than Denver will have at the same time by 2050. It is coming down a lot more now. I'm going to hide under this tree. Oh, yes, wonderful. That's the other con to Colorado Springs, and the thing that I think is going to perhaps negatively affect property values is that the job availability here, like, yeah, we've got jobs here in Colorado Springs, so when you hear about the decline of jobs nationally, but, but Colorado Springs is doing well, yeah, we're doing well when it comes to military jobs and tech jobs and low-entry restaurant jobs. Like, that's it. Like, there's some other jobs, but that's pretty much it, so... As far as the, the variety of jobs, that's... Yeah. And here's another thing that I got from Tatiana Bailey at the economic growth talk that they had, was she pulled the numbers and she said, on average, the wages in Colorado Springs, people 
in Colorado Springs are making 14% less than the national average. What? And they're making 19% less than workers are making in Denver. So while Colorado Springs is great, there's a demand for jobs, the vitality of life, woohoo. Meanwhile, you're not actually getting paid as much as you might be elsewhere. People are, you're getting paid less in Colorado Springs on average. Isn't that wild? So how is that going to affect your property values if on average you can't actually afford to pay for them? If you can't pay for the house? And I mean, look up, look up around me. Look at the sky. It's amazing. I don't know if you can see the droplets on this camera, but a wonderful rain. We had rain in May, June, and the first two weeks of July. And now it's 9-11, remembrance of those who were lost. And we've got rain. We've got rain everywhere right now. It's not, I mean, it goes from being light to being uh, like a, a mid-heavy kind of a rain. It's not amazing like crazy rain but uh it's enough to fill up like we've got you know that much rain in a thing like in the backyard that you know a pot or whatever it filled up that much water overnight so we're getting rain for sure i'm loving this so even with this rain i've got concerns about water anybody who lives here in colorado springs or in colorado in general knows that we're a dry state we can't muck around with water. We can't muck around with water rights. We're, our state is negotiating water rights from the Colorado River with six other states and deeming who can and can't use this water and when and how much of it. So while we're trying to decide how much water we get to use as a state, we have to be mindful of the aquifers that we have and the available water that we already have, Lake Mead, Lake Powell, You've heard of all the lakes, any lake that's nearby you that's dry when it was once full. I mean, that's the entire nation. That's not just Colorado. So our city uh, recently said, hey, we're going to impose a 128% water rule. What does that mean? That means that our city has to be able to have 128% of the water that it needs to for the city requirements for the year or something, I guess. So great. That's some arbitrary number that we made up where we need a, in 28% more water than we use per year, and that's our emergency water. And meanwhile, we haven't really made any advancements with severe limitations. Like, I've heard of what they've done in Las Vegas as far as limiting people's lawns and the, what, you know, the water that they're using down there. And I feel like our, our state could do well to have a similar plan in the reduction of our water and not just say, hey, uh, you can't water your grass more than three days a week. How, how about, hey, uh, no more grass for anybody in the future at all. I mean, that'd be a, a more extreme thing, I guess. But so Colorado Springs was on that growth panel talk too, and they had mentioned that uh, the city has 95,000 acre feet in water supply. And we have a current usage of 73,000 acre feet. Now, I don't know anything beyond that. Is that per year? Do we have that available per year? Or what does that mean exactly? But I feel that out of all of the people 
all out of all the panelists on that growth talk, Tatiana Bailey, the economist, was gave the most data. She gave the most reasoned answers. Everybody else in that panel seemed to be just kind of scripted answers or just vague answers of we're gonna you know do the best we can with what we've got or whatever and I'm like I, I want to see more data and numbers than that so I am hesitant about uh, whether our city actually has adequate water supply to be able to uh, ha not only supply to its current residents, but to all the other people that it's building for, all the housing that we're building for to incorporate future residents. But I also understand, guess what? If you shut down housing and you were to say, hey, no more people can live here, guess what? The property values are gonna shoot up through the roof because now there's no more housing and it's just what you get is what you get. There's no more being built. And people are not going to stop moving here, so that's going to shoot your property values up. If you're looking for something, that's what it is. Shut down all the housing, all the new housing that gets built. But that's not going to happen, is it? So while housing continues to get built up, that's kind of curbing the demand for existing housing and other housing that's available. But it's still increasing because the demand still outweighs the supply. It's never coming back. Uh, builders stopped building after 2008 for like 10 years. And that was a huge mistake because now the demand is obviously it's here. People didn't stop needing homes to live in for those 10 years. So while builders sat idly by and didn't build anything, now you've got all this extra demand in a wasted 10 years where you didn't build. So now we're trying to play catch up. But guess what? We're never catching up. But you want to know something really weird? Because even though, yeah, home prices have dropped because June was when the prices hit their peak for this year, right? And then they've been slowly coming down since then. So now we're in, you know, mid, you know, second week of September. And the strange thing is that year over year, home prices are 3.85% higher than they were last year. Year over year, 3.85% more than they were September in 2022. On the average, on the median, they're 3.45% higher. But still, it's like three and a half to almost 4% higher than prices were September of last year. And here's the extra weird thing, is that the, the prices, the trending prices all through this year in 2023 follows almost exactly the same as 2022. So what I mean is that the high point that we hit in 2022 is almost the same high point that we hit in 2023. We just hit it earlier last year. We had a high point and then we came back down and the high point and the low point is almost exactly the same. So here's what I mean. The high point in prices in 2023 was in June. That's when the average sales price was 530,971 and the median was 460,000. And then the high point in last year, 2022, was in April. That's when the average sales price was 529467 and the median was 472500 So what does that mean if prices this year are following very closely to what they did last year? So if we follow last year, 
the low point for prices in 2022 was in December. That's when the average sales price was just under 472000 and the median was 425000 so I would say that it's reasonable for home to expect home prices this year to drop another $25,000 by December. Isn't that wild? And that's both average and median. So yeah, home prices from now, from their 500k average, I'm expecting to go to 475 by December. And that's just based off of seasonal dips that we usually have, and then following last year's seasonal trend just the trends for 2002 in general because this year again is very very similar to last year so this is why i tell you all of this to get you to this final conclusion which is that your home's value your property's value is going to boost next year and the reason for that the reason i tell you don't sell it now if you're thinking about selling don't sell it now sell it next year because what's going to happen is you've got all this pent-up demand all these buyers waiting to get back into the market because the demand didn't go away houses just got too expensive and the interest rates got high enough to make the, the monthly payment way too high so what you want to do is wait until next year because all the buyers are going to come back once the interest rates drop and the interest rates are not going to drop just yet because the fed isn't done playing around just yet we've still got a little bit more time and it's fall fall is just starting so what that means is that a lot of buyers are out of the market even if the market wasn't expensive they'd be out of the market anyway because it's fall time it's school time this is not the ideal time for them to buy a house a lot more buyers are out in the market during the spring and summer so if you wait to sell until spring and summer you've got all that extra demand that comes back that is when this the selling season is just starting to get hot plus the interest rates at that point are much more likely to have gone down than say in the next few weeks or a few months so wait until next year because when the interest rates go down the buyer demand is going to shoot up along with the summer demand that is what is going to boost your property's value if you can hang on to it until then i'm kevin james bond with remax real estate group if you are looking to buy or sell property in the colorado springs area please reach out to me i'd be happy to help you thanks for watching and i will see you in the next one